Hello, listeners. It's me, Jinx Monsoon, here for another episode of Hi, Jinx, with me, Jinx Monsoon. Today, we have a thoroughly enjoyable episode. My friend Brandon Rogers is staying at my house, Monsoon Manor, and we talk about what it's like having a straight following when you're a queer comedian. (laughs) What's up with that? Hunker down and sink your teeth into some hijinks with special guest Brandon Rogers. Forever! Dog! I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to Hi Jinx, a podcast where I, an internationally tolerated drag superstar, get to interview compelling and fascinating people about how they became who they are and why they do what they do. Today I am here with a YouTube celebrity, um, a gay meme, a presenter at the Streamies, and an all-around delightful person. It's Brandon Rogers. Hi, Brandon. Hi, Jinx. This is a very unique um, episode of Hi, Jinx, because you're actually in my house with me right now. I mean, not only in your house, I believe I'm in the drag room. Yeah, it looks like a... I, what did I just say? It like looks a, like a whore exploded. A hooker. <laughs> a hooker exploded. A hooker exploded. A hooker, exploded. A hooker exploded in <laughs> Anyone these Anyone can be a whore. It takes <laughs> It takes work. gusto to be a hooker. <laughs> <laughs> it takes gusto. Um, chutzpah. Chutzpah. Um, honest work. <laughs> so this um. is, um, this is a, uh, it's kind of funny to be like sitting side by side facing the same direction. It's like we're on a roller um. coaster. <laughs> roller coaster. And that's of exactly what my podcast is like. We could go anywhere right now. Oh yes. But let's let's start with the basics. All now, right. <clears throat> for anyone who doesn't know you, mm-hmm. um, how would you describe your career I'm, and what you do? I'm just a class clown who took the easiest opportunity to get <laughs> viewership in the time period that I I wanted it to do. Like I think. Like 30 years ago, if I did, you know, I probably would have been like a public access uh, star of some kind. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, in the future, maybe, uh, you know, I would have been a, a hologram, one of the newbies, you know, one of the first hologram <laughs> stars. But right now, YouTube was the easiest monkey bar or the easiest uh, rung on the ladder to grab. So, yeah, I just I, I, I love, you know, like you, like performing stories and telling a story through comedy and theatricality. And so YouTube is just the, the greatest audience that I've been able to find. But now I'm dabbling in TikTok and Instagram and finding new territories. I've been dabbling in animation with you. Um, you are dabbling a lot. Didn't um, dabble here and there. <laughs> a little lick, a little squirt. Um, if anyone um, is unfamiliar with your work, uh-huh. would you call it sketch comedy? Would you call it um, character Character driven um, story yeah. moments. Yeah, character. It's a little. It's a little bit uh, John Watersy in the sense that all of his 
films are very character driven, but they all have the absurdity of sketch comedy. And yeah. I think I think I call it sketch comedy because most of my videos have a three act structure. So it is like a sketch, you mm -hmm. know, written with a beginning, a middle and an end. But it is heavily driven by the absurdity of the character and the universe that they immediately create around them. You know, every character, I have to not only create the costume and the look, but I have to paint the, the world that they live in. So like Helen, you know, she's oftentimes in a very administrative, you know, school kind of environment. And then mom, you know, she's in suburbia, whereas like the CEOs in the White House are in like a corporate <laughs> building. So every time, so every time I do a new character, it's a whole new, not just sketch, but a whole universe we have to create. And it's, it keeps it fresh every time. And uh, I get to work with so many different brilliant creative people because it's a different universe each time. So I get to, you know, easily write in friends and people like you and play. I think you've been like three or four different people on, I think. I played three. President Queen you played, and Blame the Hero. And then you were the, um, the Melora. Mom, Melora. <laughs> oh, was it? Maybe it's just two characters. I thought there was a third one that I had you play. I think that's it so far. But then we've also worked together on Hell of a Boss. Hell of a Boss. You were a wonder in the pilot. You were, uh, that was, that, we both were in the pilot. I was pilot. the murder mom of the murder family. Yes. <laughs> Martha. Yes. Martha. Which, funny enough, I knew you were playing Martha. But for some reason, the first time I saw it, I didn't register that it was you. Yeah. And um, Mara Wilson plays the teacher in that. And what oh a gosh. what a strange mashup yeah. of, of different people. Like, we've got... Um, Brandon Rogers and I, I always refer to your YouTube fame, but you also had a full blown TV show. <laughs> oh my God. We, we, well, we, 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 that, that's how you found me, I think. Right? Yeah. And that's how I found the you. show magic fun house, the pilots available on YouTube, which I highly suggest everyone go <laughs> check out the pilot right away. And then if you want to watch the rest of the season, you can see it on VRV. BRV, uh, yeah, that's the, that's the app that it's on. It's honestly, it, it was like two years of my life spent on a project that most people don't. It's like <laughs> most of my fans know the least about that project, and so. But it's what brought you into my life, and I and I was very grateful when I found it's it's like um it's like super queer. It's always sunny in Philadelphia is how I explained oh. it to people be, uh, <laughs> because it's kind of a show about a bunch of really um scary awful people <laughs> but they find a chosen family in each other yeah and um yeah they're you know they're the, the underdogs trying to make it in a, yes in a dog eat dog world and, and with the chosen family comes uh chosen arguments and you have <laughs> you know you still cut you still have all the bad qualities of a family um but uh yeah i i the whole cast is a big fan of you. I remember that because they told they. I think uh, Jennifer Shemke was the one who said, "Oh my gosh, you know Jinx watches the show." And then I found <laughs> out that you not only watched the show, we were in the. You know, I think it was like through season two you watched it. Oh, I watched and every episode that was available. I think I got the the um, streaming platform just to continue watching your show. Oh my god! And then when I was um, talking up your show to um, Willem one day, she said, "Oh yeah." I, I, I've never seen it, but there was a billboard for it outside my <laughs> studio for like a month. So I know exactly who you're talking about. I'm very flattered that <laughs> Willem had to look at my face for a month. That's very... Um, Magic Fun House uh, is a show where Brandon plays a, a children's TV show host. Yes. But yep. he's also a bit of an emotionally stunted sociopath. And <laughs> justifiably, I think. Yeah, and yes, he is. He, he was in a coma for, for most of his life, you know, from I think about uh, seven or so years old all the way up until uh, in his 20s. And so, you know, in a way, it was representative of how I felt at the time. Because at that time, when I was writing Magic Funhouse, my 
YouTube career was just, it was the equivalent to you like on Drag Race when mm -hmm. things are really starting to take a shift and you're noticing, oh my gosh, I have this new audience now. And um, I kind of felt like I could authentically start living my life as myself. I, you know, I was working corporate jobs that whole time. And, you know, when, when YouTube, you know, when Magic Funhouse took off, I felt like I was getting all my like years of youth back to me and i felt like i felt kind of cheated because I, I spent so much of my life doing the corporate route and so in a way arlo the character on magic funhouse represents you know when i when i was going you know the coma represents me working in corporate america and i just how i felt like i just missed out on so many cool young years of my life and then i'm suddenly given a tv show like Arlo is given a TV show when he wakes up from the coma and <laughs> and it's like, well, sh and that kind of makes, you know, his anger is a little representative of my frustration of like, God damn it. I could have been like being fun and cool and creative this whole time. And I was like sucking dick at a law firm <laughs> for so many years. So I, I his, he, he's just a more um, a, a more uh, th a theatrical version of myself. He's just a more dramatic version. He's of, your drag. He's your Jinx he Monsoon. <laughs> he's my Jinx Monsoon. And I, I have a few Jinx Monsoons. I I have a few people that represent a part of me that that is very real but not if i ever inhibited that part of myself too much i would be crazy yeah 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 you gotta let it breathe a little otherwise it yeah. um festers inside of you yeah if i didn't let jinx out she'd probably like become a tumor she'd find a way out or a way to uh publicly humiliate you a tumor on your forehead yeah. just like, <laughs> that's where she'd pop out. no I, I i'm thinking more like if i didn't let jinx out she'd become some kind of like stomach ulcer and like oh. suck me in she'd oh, find shit. a way to trade places with me i think i don't know <laughs> oh my god yeah she, it would be like chucky it would be chucky, like chucky yeah. transfer <laughs> and i and i'm the chucky doll i know <laughs> she, she's like your cruella <laughs> she is um uh, that we watched fun. that movie together the I, other you night. Know, I was thinking last night i was thinking <laughs> how much fun i've had since i've been here for those of you who don't know i've been staying at jinx's house for a few days and and uh we first night we get here we watch cruella and then last night we watch girls will be girls and i'm thinking these are such great movies and i get to watch them with such great people it's i don't have a lot of friends who appreciate these kind of movies as much as i do um you mean yeah. a high camp um high camp um, just gay absurdity, <laughs> gay you know? absurdity. that's how i like because everyone can be absurd and I, I love gay comedy that does absurdity really well because then I, I feel like a lot of straight audiences eat it up because the comedy speaks so loud they don't care what they're watching they're just like oh that was funny and i feel like girls will be girls is such a good movie that can wrangle in such a diverse audience you yeah. know so Magic Funhouse ran for two seasons. All the <laughs> sorry. <I'm> sorry. <laughs> I don't care if you leave that in. I just had it. I took a hit when I her pause. <laughs> I didn't get all the coughs out. Sorry. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. Magic Funhouse. <laughs> Magic Funhouse ran for two seasons. All the while, were you continuing to do YouTube videos I in was. tandem? I was. I wish I had done them more. I wish I had even now, I, if I had managed my time better, mm -hmm. I think I would have really gotten further during that time period. Um, at any given point, I'm always, because of that, I'm always trying to ask myself, could I be doing more? In a few years from now, am I going to look back at this point in time and think I wasn't doing enough? Because Magic Funhouse, uh, I felt like I was not doing enough. <laughs> How? How did you? It was a full-blown TV show. But, but the thing is, the thing is, because the way everything was structured back then, it was designed to be exclusively for a platform. Mm -hmm. Everyone was coming out with these platforms and every, throwing a lot of money in a series and making it exclusive. I uh, 
was was excited that I was doing a big project, but it was for such a limited audience. Mm-hmm. And and part of me felt like, well, I'm putting a lot of time and effort into something that isn't getting a lot of views. And meanwhile, my YouTube channel was starting to plateau. It was starting to, you know, the success that was ramping up on my YouTube channel started to die away when I got the TV show. You know, it's usually a great success to get a TV show, but in this case, it felt like a hindrance because it was taking away from something that was very public and that everyone had access to watch. And then all my time and energy was going into something that very few people, you know, had access to. And so that's where I felt like, oh, I should have just kind of watered the YouTube plant a little bit more during that time period and just made (laughs) sure that all my my stuff was, you know. Um, But even back then, I mean, I didn't even have a lawyer. I didn't have anything. (laughs) I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, you know. Um, And and but your YouTube channel is like off the hook. So I don't think you're talking about like, oh, I could have been doing more and getting it further. But it's like you got there and you did the TV show because your YouTube channel, your videos are in like the six millions of views. Like, (laughs) Let me tell you, I got there the day that you showed up on set. That's when I made it. No, I... And that was, that was, you played the queen, President Queen. President Queen in an alternate... Alternate Um, timeline. Alternate timeline where America um, never gained its independence. So (laughs) it's available on YouTube. Um, It was very topical for the time to have a a narcissistic orange-haired asshole as the the president. Um, That was a conscious choice. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah. And then I had you play Melora Oswald, uh, <laughs> and my mother and, uh, you, you played a very abusive, but albeit lovably abusive mother. I loved editing the scenes of you berating <laughs> me. Um, and when you get offended on the couch, there's a moment where I say something mean to you and you go, <gasps> oh, it's so funny because it's not even that offensive what I say. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's no, all, you. Yeah, oh, like, well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Oh, <laughs> well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, it's always so much fun hanging out here. I always, uh, Portland is such a like all nicer alternative universe to LA. It's like, oh, it, yeah. it makes me so happy that places exist where people are friendly and smoke <laughs> weed and the air is clean and there's trees everywhere. <laughs> and there's trees and there's green stuff. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I want to know what was your first YouTube video? <laughs> what was the very first YouTube video? The very video? first thing I ever, uh, well, technically it was for a, um, a Little Miss Sunshine did a, uh, do you remember that movie, Little Miss Sunshine? Yeah, yeah, I like that did a movie. Con- they, they, they did a contest right around the start of when YouTube came out. Tony Collette? Like, it was Tony Collette. <laughs> God bless her. I love that woman so much. And they they uh, they said do a video with uh, filming your dysfunctional family. And so I I made a little sketch about me and, and my dog at the time, Isabel. And uh, I did a sketch where I just don't get along with her, and I hate <laughs> living with her. And uh, it was this cute little thing where like um, it was just like a two minute little video of me and my dog. But then I found out that oh that was easy to cut together to edit. And then mm-hmm. you start seeing the comments, people going oh ha 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 that's funny ha. Huh? 
And that makes you feel really and then you good. You get drunk on that. You get the drunk attention. on that. The attention, <laughs> and then it's just a domino effect. And then you're like, well, you know. And then my my number one goal is like, well, let me try and be funny. And I, I back then I was such a stupid teenager. I didn't know what was funny or what wasn't. But I think over the years you kind of learn. This is what audiences like. This is what I like. This is who I am. This is what they want. And you, when you, when you, when you create from a place of truth, I think it's easier to find people who resonate with that yeah. truth and and then it draws them in as very loyal audiences right mm -hmm. away you know i think yeah. i mean I, I i i my first big show that i did with major scales um was the vaudevillians which is a show we worked on consistently you know, over the last decade. And, um, and you see the longevity of your relationship <laughs> on stage. It really shows that there's a, there's a no, like it's a very seamless, comfortable act every time you perform. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we, we know each other inside and out at this point. And that's for once, not a sex euphemism, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, so that show is fully artifice. You know, it's completely just like um, two characters we made up, a story we made up, and mm -hmm. any truth that gets in there is by accident. Mm -hmm. But when we started writing from a place of like, just what do we actually really just right. find funny and what things happen in my life um, that right. can have a comedic spin put onto mm -hmm. it. And then I think that's when I really started creating the work that... Um, that I like doing best and that my right. audiences um, relate to and resonate with the most. Mm. Do you like all these buzzwords resonate, relate to? Well, you know, they say, they say, write what you know, write what you know. And there's, and, and every year I learn what that means a little more. I mm -hmm. think every year my videos speak truer and truer to my thoughts and feelings. And I start to get more comfortable, you know, to get in, in, and I'm in, I'm in therapy, not because I'm going through some shit, but you know, it's just a thing. It's a good, and my therapist is always like, well, whenever you feel sad or whenever you feel, it's always just make it a video. Yeah. That's what he tells me. Make it a video, channel it into something you love doing. And I think by doing that, it is always truer and truer. I'm, I'm getting more okay with, okay, you know, that was a bad experience, but that would be funny if the bad experience went like this, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And then in that regard, whenever I make a video from something that was negative, it feels like I take control over it and it, or I take power over the thing that was bothering me because now I made it work for me. Um, Heard. I, I, I have to make sure that I'm past what I'm dealing with so that the emotions aren't still raw. Oh, yeah. And I think that's more having to do with live entertainment. Like, I feel like with oh. video work, I could be working on something... Like you're saying, like take something that happened to me two days ago, turn it into a video. And if it triggers an emotional breakdown, we'll just edit it out, you know, yeah. <laughs> or edit it um, poignantly. poignantly. Um, yes. But I, I, I wouldn't be able to do that in front of a live audience. So I would I have to wait until after a few sessions with right. the therapist before I can channel it into my work. But I <laughs> I do I, I do really enjoy taking things from my life like um, yeah like being hit by a car in Amsterdam. Oh That's God. a whole monologue. How hard were you hit by the car? What like very hard, Holy but I was shit. so drunk and I didn't see it coming at the time. I mean, I was so drunk at the time and I didn't see the car coming yeah, yeah, and yeah. my body didn't brace for it. So it just went like a limp rag well, doll. That's probably better that you didn't Absolutely. lock up. It's probably why I didn't break my leg. I did. I, I stood back up right after the, I, I was hit by a car. Did, so did you go over the hood or like over? Like it was the back of the car. It was driving backwards down a street. Oh shit. Like just re like 
ridiculously fast for a little, um, yeah. you know, the street it was driving down. And it was driving backwards. And it hit my body. And I kind of like went flying over the, the back of the car and rolled over it and then flopped on the ground. And then it whipped around and then sped off in <gasps> that direction. So it just hit my body and ran. It and, had to be drunk or something. But it was in front of a bunch of people. Like Holy it was shit. right outside of a pub in my hotel. I was crossing the street and I had stopped to wave to some fans. So this was after <laughs> after Drag Race? This, yeah, this was well this after Drag week. Race. This was, a, <laughs> this was on one of my rare vacations. Okay. And I normally, when I take time for honest god vacation yeah. i go to amsterdam yeah i think for obvious reasons <laughs> um <laughs> but um anyway it finally found its way into one of my shows you know years later mm. and i definitely feel able to talk about it in a very fun like oh i was hit by a car but luckily i was so drunk um mm. i i walked away unscathed but also i wouldn't have gotten hit by that car if i hadn't been right. so drunk and not paying attention as i crossed the city street you know last half full or half empty it's a catch-22 you know? catch situation yeah. but um it's That's so crazy. I didn't know that. I didn't know you got hit and, and flew over a car like that. That's insane. <laughs> I've actually been hit by a lot of cars in my life, but that was the first one that was like just my body being hit by a car. <laughs> Usually I had a bicycle to or another, buffer right. or another car another around Another car around me. your body. <laughs> <laughs> this was just, you barebacked the fucking <laughs> I injury. I got ramrodded <laughs> by this. <laughs> um, oh my God. Well, I'm so glad you're okay. I am too. You know, honestly... Every year, I'm just, you know, I don't celebrate my birthday as a celebration of me. I celebrate my birthday as a celebration that I'm not dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's equally a great way of, that's actually probably a better mindset to have. <laughs> like, I made it another year. Let's yeah. take a moment to acknowledge that. I'm still kicking. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, um, yeah. Don't mind me. I'm just going <laughs> to direct us back to you. Um, <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> I know you're one of those people who likes to flip the interview around on the other person. I do, I do. Um, like, I need half a reason to go off on another <laughs> monologue about myself. Now, um, uh, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, uh -huh. but it's Pride Month. Yes, And the God. beginning of Pride Month, we start seeing the Brandon Rogers memes. Move, from I'm some, gay. <laughs> from, that was um, fairly early work for you, right? It, it was. That was right before my YouTube channel really took off. Mm -hmm. It was like the last video I made before my YouTube channel really saw big numbers. Do um, you think it contributed to that? I think so. It's a very funny video. It's, um, what's the title of the video? It's called Angry Office. And can I tell you about the the thought behind it when I'm yeah. before? I, well, I, that's, I, I that's still, what this, that's what it's that's about. What we're supposed to be doing. I was here. just, <laughs> I was just giving a polite integrate. You have it. a, you have a blanket <laughs> of consent here. <laughs> um, so I, I worked at a law, that was, that was the law firm I worked at, that <laughs> office. And uh, my boss was uh, before, you know, he, the guy who owned, the, he was his law firm. He, and, mm -hmm. he, and he said he got into law work because he wanted to, well, at first he wanted to be a comedy writer. And then he just, he got into law work because that was a good, like, I don't know, that was a fallback or something. I, uh, but he, when he found my YouTube channel, I thought I was going to get fired or something. I don't know. I thought he, but he said he really admired the videos. And he said, look, if you ever want to film here sometime, you know, I could leave you the keys and you could do an office thing. And I thought, what a great set piece for someone at my level at the time. I didn't, I, I don't think I even, no, I, did, I had 70,000 subscribers at that point. Mm -hmm. um, and so as a, as a relatively small YouTuber at the time, 
it it uh, it was hard to find resources, hard to find people you wanted that wanted to work with you, and hard to find locations that would let you film. So I had this big resource all of a sudden, this big office. So I wrote a whole sketch about a day in the life of an, but I didn't want it to seem like the office. I didn't mm-hmm. want it to seem like, mm-hmm. so I'm like, well, let's make these characters a little bit more disgruntled and a little bit more absurd, you know, a little grosser or whatever. I just wanted, and um, I thought it would be funny to have, you know, the office had a gay character, but it didn't have like an offensively gay character. <laughs> <laughs> and so I thought, well, how, because it is a kind of a stereotype, you know, like of like, you know, being a minority in the office, you are sort of on some kind of invisible pedestal of some kind, <laughs> even just a little bit, because you are the diverse one. You're the, and a lot of jobs I worked at because I was the gay one, you know, I, I kind of saw this sort of how people, you know, if like someone's in a wheelchair, you open the door, you, there's an extra bit of etiquette, you know, mm-hmm. in a corporate world, especially I worked with a lot of straight white men. And so my sexuality really was on the table more than I thought it would be in that world. And I, <laughs> I wanted to make a, a statement about that, like move, I'm gay because yes, I'm the minority. I'm on the pedestal. So get the fuck out of my way. I got copies to make. Um, <laughs> But then also people think you want to go to all their baby showers. And so and there's another line mm. in that video where I say, fuck off. I'm not going to. Because, yeah, I'm gay. I'm not going to go to your fucking baby shower. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but because, uh, you know, they're like, oh, come with the girls and let's hang out. So the whole video, again, speaking from, you know, writing what you know, mm-hmm. at that point in my life, I knew corporate America very well. I had worked <laughs> in it for a few years at that point. And so I was. Or just just office life, I felt like I knew very well. So yeah, my videos do reflect uh, at any given point what I what I feel like. Um, and uh, right now, I'm doing a Karen video. Uh, with <laughs> we're doing a we're mocking. Karens. We're going to be filming in 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 my backyard, and um, you know, uh, <laughs> when you're contemplating this video, you texted me. Um, you know, you wanted to make sure that. Um, you could make it satirically and not make it in a way that read as anti-feminist because you are um, scrutinizing a female archetype. Right. And um, I I thought this is a great question to be asking and I don't know exactly how to answer it, but I think you should watch this video of Z-Way mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. having a Karen convention. And, and then I think it became very clear that... Um, we can scrutinize an archetype without scrutinizing the entire gender of that archetype. That's a hundred percent true. And, and you, you, I can't, I can't remember how you worded it, but you put what you just said. I think in, in even better words in the text back. You, you worded it somehow to where I felt totally comfortable, and I was like, oh yeah, she, she's right. Like I, I can. But uh, I dug, I dug even further, and I've been watching <laughs> a lot of Karen videos since since that chat, and um, I realized there's just as many male Karens. So yeah, I, it, I, I no longer have the fear of like, oh, is it anti-feminist? Because I think Karen is really just a, a very broad label on a more of a behavior type and a sort of elitist or I'm better than you kind of a mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, that's you know. it encapsulates more. I mean, it's I, I you're you're absolutely right. The, there's male Karens, and maybe we haven't like seen enough represent actually you know we saw the capital riots we right. saw some male karen that, that was the karen convention that was the first karen the first convention, convention. there will be, um, there might be more so um so but yeah i i mean it's it's one of these things when we were talking about this the other day about satire yeah is you can't you can't make your audience smarter than they are and there's going to be some people out there and, and this is not the people who um, who 
criticize satire, but the people who don't get that it's satire. Yeah. Um, like there will be people out there who see Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec right. and look up to him as like the ideal, like, uh, oh, I should be more like Ron when what we're actually learning about Ron. I mean, like he's got a right. lot of great qualities, <laughs> well, yeah, but, but they, he's also kind of like a conservative asshole. You know? right. they're, they're, taking, they're taking it as if the character type is what they're relating to, not the fact that the show is making a mockery of that character. Yeah, type. yeah, yeah. And that goes over their head. And they see, I mean, everyone interprets the comedy differently. I mean, mm -hmm. everything is interpreted differently, but comedy especially, <clears throat> people are, are always going to have their own interpretation of which direction you're punching or yeah. which what you're making fun of. And and you're right. There's a lot of um, people that I, I, I've met in the middle of the country or just places where it's not as acceptable to be gay. And they, they, they're convinced I'm straight and that when I play a gay character, I'm, I'm making fun of... Uh, gay people and it's mm -hmm. really more of just no, I'm not really making fun of gay people I'm speaking from like gay tropes that are deep down inside of me that mm -hmm. like you know and, and growing up in, in straight America I'm so used to suppressing those so when I play a gay character it feels so liberating to just let every gay trope out of me naturally and yeah. uh, and, and 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 so you know take from it what you will but like I think a queer crowd can watch when I play these larger than life female roles or these gay characters and they they see, you know, and they then, see the commentary you're making and they know the right. place it's coming from right. and they have the shared experience and the shared context. Right. And then you can't control that there are going to be people out there who are going to see yeah. like you playing this archetype and be like, yeah, fuck those people. Right. You know, right. and that's the that's the sad duality of comedy is it can be used yeah. for good and it can be used for bad. But oh. I think you're using it for good. Um, I, but I think comedy should be used for good. I used to do a lot of pranks <laughs> back in the day. I used to pr do a lot of like hidden camera pranks and stuff like that. I don't do that anymore. And someone asked me, I was at the Verizon store the other day and this is not a plug <laughs> for them. You can bleep it out. I was getting my phone done. Mm -hmm. And uh, and the guy recognized me and, and, and he wanted a, a photograph with me and and he asked me, uh, why don't you do pranks anymore? You should prank people. You should pr do a prank here in the store. And I was like, I was like and I told him, because I, that doesn't, I don't like any video where someone has to be made a fool for the video mm -hmm. to be good. That's one of the wonderful things about you playing almost all the characters is you play these archetypes, but at the end of the day, you're just making fun of yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I like taking on the parts that I don't feel comfortable asking other actors to do. That's why I like to play multiple characters. You know, I, I like to take on, like, no one's going to want to, you know, no one's going to want me to shit in their face. So I'm going to take it. In my own, <laughs> my own face. face. And with the power of editing, that's possible. It's very possible. kind of touched on it, but you yes. do have um, a much larger straight audience than your mm -hmm. average queer, a straight male audience. Yes. Um, than your average queer um, creator these days. Yeah. Um, certainly way more than me. <laughs> like, I don't think I have a lot of, uh, you so know, straight, straight bros out there watching my <laughs> stuff and being like, yeah, bro. <laughs> I Fuck those Karens, you know? <laughs> um, Maybe, I don't know. But um, we've talked about this uh, in our mm -hmm. personal life. Now let's talk about yeah. it for other people to hear. You are queer. A lot of your audience assumes that you're not queer. And mm -hmm. we talked about 
Um, I, I love how I keep referencing conversations we've had. And we've talked about this. Nowhere mm-hmm. that can be heard by anyone. Right. But, just but we have talked lives. about it. Yes. <laughs> we've talked about it before. <laughs> uh-huh. how anytime you play a gay character and it seems very true for you, um, the comment section will be full of um, straight guys asking, wait, is Brandon actually gay? Yeah. Like it's a... Like, it's a thing that's shocking to them. And then there's always people who come to your defense like, why does it matter? Yes, he's gay. No, Brandon couldn't be gay. He's too funny. He's too (laughs) funny to be gay. Can you believe that shit? Or, Or people will try and defend me, try and, like, stick up for me by being like, no, fuck you. He's not gay. Like, hold on. (laughs) Why is that so, so bad? It's, um, I think it's... It's a statement to your comedy that you can reach so many different demographics. Can I actually, I've been wanting, it's been so long since I've been on a podcast and I've actually been wanting to shed light on this in a setting where, you know, I never out myself in my videos on, on really on any of my platforms. I never making, so I would love to talk about this because (laughs) I, I have, so I, you know, I grew up in a very, very straight white town. I was gay, fat, closeted, poor, brown kid (laughs) in a rich, affluent, uh, conservative white community mm-hmm. and it was very hard um you know to really just be funny authentically you know everyone at school was joking about the puss and the fucking <laughs> and, th- and that's all they're joking about shit authentically they would make jokes that were funny because they were you know these kids i would go to school with were joking from the heart about their mm-hmm. own experience i couldn't joke about oh yeah and i feel so pent up because i'm not allowed to express it i like guys <laughs> all right uh-huh. <laughs> like there was no outlet for me to be authentically funny so every joke i made in high school was like something that i thought they would think was funny mm-hmm. or something that like you know <clears throat> I would have to to try and be on their level because it was always their playing field that we were on in terms of being funny in, in class. And and so I kind of sort of learned how to be straight funny. I kind of learned what the, <laughs> and I, for my, my, you know, freshman, sophomore year of high school, I, I was trying, I was really learning, okay, this is my place in life. I am into guys, but I'm not allowed to joke about it. I'm not allowed to talk about it, but I really want to be funny. And this is how to be funny. Mm-hmm. And so by senior year, I think I was pretty affluent in, bro humor yeah and uh and then you know like i said girls will be girls uh was my first taste uh which if you haven't seen it yet it's now on amazon this is a plug unpaid but fucking it's a great movie um varla jean merman coco peru jack plotnik as evie harris um it's it's (laughs) so it's compulsory uh um drag queen education exactly um and it's also it's not for the faint of heart it's it's in line with john waters it's like it's a little bit more um drag uh drag centric than your right. typical john waters movie um yes. <laughs> show your watch with your parents with caution much yeah. caution and i'm um, saying that as if girls will be girls is a john waters movie but it, I, mean, I think they exist in the same universe oh 100 <laughs> and they hit a lot of the same floral palettes of john waters you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. they hit a lot of the same floral notes and uh anyways I, so that movie i found it i must have just graduated high school i was really at a turning point in my life i was just starting to you know do youtube i was i just left high school i was just going into college and i discovered girls will be girls and i discovered that comedy can move at twice the rate that queers can write in my opinion, much more clever dialogue than like the stuff I was watching on TV, two and a half men and bullshit like that. Like that's, <laughs> that was comedy to me back then. Uh, South Park was probably the most raunchy stuff, but even then, you know, there was a lot of, j- just just to see um, a lot of elements being common, you know, that you could talk about 
all sorts of sexual things in a different light with queer comedy and it just really attracted me to it and so where was i going with this queer uh, da, 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 high school uh i don't remember where i was going with this but yeah that, that got me into doing That's... youtube and, yeah. <laughs> and now you have a very diverse audience which includes a lot oh of no no that's right, that's right. Guys. Yeah. so so i kind of i kind of very quickly learned okay this is a very much more refined way of making comedy but then my whole life i had learned this very straight way of, of making comedy so i mm. feel like my work today still consists of you know it's almost like i feel like i can take straight humor and package it for everyone to love and i feel like i could take queer humor and package it for everyone i feel like i could combine them into something mm -hmm. that hasn't quite isn't quite in existence or at least not in abundance out there um I yeah. also think we are entering, I've been thinking about this a lot as I've been watching old sitcoms mm -hmm. um, and just how, what a different world it is um, when it's uh, a show written for a broad audience, when it's a show written like um, to meet TV guide standards, you know? I I think what the biggest help to me is watching the reaction videos. And luckily, you know, there are people who upload them reacting to you know and you it's like having a focus group you get to see what elements what scenes make them you know like their eyes light up you can mm -hmm. see what captivates them when they're scared or interested or bored or laughing or fun you know mm -hmm. and, and i take i watch all the reaction videos as many as i can and i take them all to heart and i put that into the next video going forward they love that sequence that montage okay mm -hmm. I, you know they love when this happened um and I just do every video is a chance to do research. Every video yeah. I upload is a chance to see what they liked and what they didn't like. And and that's what I think is like, that's why we're seeing this shift away from like network television. I mean, I think network right? television may be on the way out. I mean, not yeah. just because of streaming platforms, but streaming platforms and, um, you know, specialty cable networks. Mm. Is, that's where it started. And now it's like streaming platforms are starting their own shows and you watch it exclusively on this platform and blah, blah, right. blah, blah, blah. And, but what that equates to mm -hmm. is um, more independent artists are mm -hmm. being given chances they wouldn't have been given a while ago and, and wouldn't have been given on a network television, you know? And oh. that's where I think a lot of um, our attention is now shifting to. And it's like, why I love the show Broad City. It's like written mm. by the two performers mm -hmm. who created it for themselves. They created it based on what they find funny. It speaks to like a, a, a niche demographic, but it's actually universal humor. And yeah. I think that's what TV stations were they were trying to tell us, oh, we have to have a show mm -hmm. um, written this way because this is the only way to right. let people, you know. It's very narrow-minded. Yeah, it's... it's Yeah, and then when, when you, like, kind of open it up, like, let anyone create what they find funny, mm -hmm. and you're actually going to find that a lot more people are into that than you give them credit for, you know? Yeah, it's just the risk of... Like, I think no one wanted to take the risk. And yeah. YouTube was a way of forcing... It was, like, the first way of forcing these... You know, uh, production companies or these, you know, networks to see like, oh, like the attention can be absorbed into into something that's easily accessible and more tailored to what the viewer wants to see because it's made by people who are also fans. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Vivian Medrano, who does Hell of a Boss, uh, mm. you know, the brilliant. I mean, she's a brilliant showrunner. She has this. Uh, 
you know, she knows what to make and she knows how to cater to an audience more than most people I've ever seen or heard of. Mm -hmm. And the way she does this is that she's just such a big fan. She loves animation. She loves lore. She loves watching TV shows. And she's a legitimate fan of every person she casts in the show. Mm -hmm. So again, writing from what you know, I think that like YouTube allows for artists to create work that is representative of who they are and what they know. And that resonates stronger to the audience because they're not being written, you know, we, we had a very finite amount of people writing for the whole world in Hollywood at one point in time. And now everyone can write for everyone. There's a show for that, everyone. And, and that's the other thing I was kind of thinking about is that like things are so quick to get labeled as like, oh, this is female comedy. Oh. You know, like um, this is this is our broad comedy and it's normally, you know, written by straight white men or at least that was the norm for a very long time right and straight white men telling everyone else what they should find yeah. funny and you know big money putting right. money into it and worrying only about the numbers at the end of the day and not the actual content they're creating and like what's the easiest to just like force feed to a, <laughs> right. a huge audience right. how right. can we cram this this cornmeal down these right. ducks throats <laughs> <laughs> And I'm sure I'm sure you feel like you feel I feel cheated. I don't know about you, but I feel like because we had childhoods of like MTV and shit like spoon fed to us. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I would have just if YouTube was around as a kid, I would have dove so deep into there. That. There was some good stuff. You know, there's some stuff that I'm like, um, you know, I'm glad I had that in my mm -hmm. life. But I do think this like shift to letting artists create content and that's the content that we we elevate rather than corporate content, you yeah. know, like a company creating our numbers tell us that this is the show that's going to make everyone happy. And then what you end up with is the middle, which I watched <laughs> <laughs> with Patricia Heaton. But it's like it doesn't challenge anything. It's no, just like no. it's yeah. just like, here you go, corn America. Meal. Yeah, cornmeal. The Big Bang Theory. Oh, my God. Like, I mean, we there it's not that there's not funny things in these shows yeah. <laughs> but it's just also neutered and dulled down and yeah. watered down to the point where it's like if this had a voice yeah. it was silenced a long time it's ago it's the soft soap <laughs> equivalent like it's like and it's, i mean like anyone from the big bang theory out there will be like well thank god for it because i'm a multi-millionaire now yeah but right it's like, oh they love it yeah. they love the show i uh no i'm the same way i i actually broke up with someone one time because they only watched and consumed mainstream music and media i'm like Girl, it is what a day and age. It was like 2016 at the time. And I was like, you can watch literally anything. You can watch a fucking, uh, I don't know. You can watch anyone getting fisted. Anyone <laughs> getting fisted. Any person you could think of, there's a fist in their ass in every uh, resolution you could think of. And uh, so I don't know. What I, did I say last night? Um, <laughs> oh, we were talking about finding noises to fall asleep to. And thanks to YouTube, you could type in anything. Oh. And if, if you want to fall asleep yes. to the sound of a walrus slapping its belly with its like, <laughs> For 12 hours. For 12 hours, there's probably a loop out there. We oh It is God. magical to live in a YouTube age. Yeah, um, it and, is. And you're one of you're one of the lords of YouTube. Are you what what button are you up to on the button? Uh, <laughs> oh, the, um, did uh, you receive your plaque for the platinum button? Are you a platinum button YouTuber? I'm, I think I just have the. I'm uh, still in gold rank. I'm still in fucking gold, bitch. <laughs> I just I, got my silver button and I had to chase it down. I'm telling you. Oh, I had to chase mine down too. Okay, good. they don't deliver them proudly, <laughs> and I think they threw it at my house. <laughs> They drove by. I, I I was like, when I realized I should have gotten a silver button, I was like, I was a Karen on the oh. 
I was, was like, I, was I need to speak to the manager of YouTube. <laughs> Where is my silver button? I have had 100,000 subscribers for the last two months, and I expect the silver button to be delivered with haste. This is Karen oh in the Victorian God. era. I, um, yes, yes. Well, it shows how demanding and how urgent it is. Um, I think my... my uh, silver and gold were delivered like a month apart from each other because they had waited. I, and I waited. I didn't follow up with them for so long. And then I think it was like a year or two after I I was supposed to get the silver. So they just threw them both at me. Um, it was uh, the, the CEO, Susan, in her in her car. She just drove by with two boxes and <laughs> threw them at my house. No, I uh, I uh, I didn't. And I didn't hang them up for a long time because I, I thought it was kind of uh, egotistical to hang up any kind of award like that. But then. I have mine. Uh, it's holding the window open. No, I'm joking. <laughs> if YouTube's listening right now, I'm, I'm thank you for my button. <laughs> no, I actually, I have um, a, my three awards I, I won this year. My two queer. I was, I wasn't my... gonna say it. I didn't know if you want me to say, but I'm like, I think those are other awards you have holding no, the window open. <laughs> the window is open on its own. Okay, forget that joke. Oh. The awards are just right next to the window, but oh. it does look like they're holding their window open right now, which um, is probably the attitude I should have towards awards, but I still love awards. Anyone can just walk <laughs> up and take it. There is nothing. A neighbor. There's a screen. There's just a well. Okay, a fly can't steal them. We're going to have to post a, I'll have to post a picture of. Of what we're talking about. I think they have an idea. There's just awards on an open window and anyone could, if anyone knows where she lives. Just reach in and grab my queerties. A, you'll win a queerty award. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, okay, so I have my streaming awards on either side of my TV. So if I Netflix and chill with anyone, they have to watch it. They, between they two have streaming to see. Awards. <laughs> they have to see. Um, so uh, Vivian Madrano, you brought up. Oh, what um, a genius! That you is, know she's like tw like twenty six, twenty seven. She's like a kid. That's the other thing. Fuck her. She is that's so the other successful. Thing about entertainment these days is young people. I mean, it's. I really feel like because of all the different platforms and because of um, because of independent work being elevated these days, um, the for us by us work mm -hmm. is being elevated. That now it really is about talent. It doesn't matter. Like yeah. there's less ageism either way. It's like you know. Yeah. Even if you're young and you're just starting out, if you have the talent and you have the drive and you have something that is resonating with people, right. you can get it seen by the audience that you that's waiting for you. Yeah. It's like when I find something that I love, I feel like, oh, this is what I've been waiting for. I'm so glad yeah. this is being created because I've always wanted this, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and she, you, you both, you and Vivian both, I think, overlap in that regard that you're both like... Everyone can look talented to some degree on social media, but as someone who knows you in real life and Vivian in real life, and I just see how you operate just just on a normal, you know, you know, afternoon. It's like the two of you are geniuses, and Ugh. to see to see the way. No, seriously, and, and I I think I'm fairly like you know very cre more creative than the average person, and so I, when I see other people who I'm like really admire, and then I see them blow up or they have this big audience, it it makes me happy for them because it's like I know that all of that is deserved. And Vivian, seeing the way that she just astronomically erupted. I was like, well, fucking it's about time because, you know, you watch the end credits of, of uh, Hell of a Boss. And, you and that's, see... by the way, that's what we're talking about. Oh, Vivian oh, yeah. Madrano first created Has Been Hotel. Yes. And then you and her teamed up. Which she um, got it. She got, A24 got it from her husband. 
Oh, a twenty four. Yeah. yeah, and that's like a huge and, and and then yeah, and so she's working on that, but then at the same time she's running this other massive show, Hell of a Boss, and there's like hundreds of people that work and report to her. And, and you are do you, the two of you write the episodes. We do yes. So the two of us wrote. We 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 have brought on uh, a couple other uh, writers, but it's pretty much yeah. Vivian and I at least the first season was like you know Vivian and myself, and then and uh, and I'm still a writer for the show, but she handles almost every aspect of mm-hmm. it. it Intent intimately, like mm-hmm. she's very uh, hands on with everything, and I've just I've seen her sketch, I've seen her draw. She is just, you know, she's like how they depicted Cruella, just this like immense natural talent that you know everything she touches is just turns to gold. Mm-hmm. And um, and these are not like these are not little flash cartoons. These are no, like this like is Disney like quality animation. Disney quality animation, and um, you know, yeah, you couldn't differentiate it from anything that's on television. It's so well done. Yeah. You can tell that it's done with passion. And then it's it's authentically um, yours and Vivian's voices. Like I can oh, hear yeah. Brandon Rogers in all of the writing. And I mean, you do voice some of the characters, so it's easy to hear you in the show. But, <laughs> but, but, but I see what you mean. Like, totally. No, it I is. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, a play on words. <laughs> play on words. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, it's it's a really I, I I say it's like um kids who grew up with Invader Zim will love um Hell of a Boss because it's a very nostalgic cartoon while also being completely new and fresh and its own thing. And can I just say something about uh who also has a very strong creative uh, uh, input presence on this show mm-hmm. is the one of the god of gods of voices mm-hmm. Richard Horvitz mm-hmm. who holy shit Who's the voice? the voiceover director. So yeah, anytime yes. I go into the studio to record my little cameos, it's Invader Zim giving me voice direction, right. which blows my mind up every fucking time. He, and then I go home and um, play Overwatch with Joan and Vasquez, who created Invader Zim. And I'm like, what is what is happening to my life? That's manifestation. Ten year old, uh, ten year old Jarek would have been like, what the fuck are you talking about? If I'm like, one day you shall be playing video games with. Oh, ten year old Jarek would have had pants full of piss. <laughs> I. I, uh, it blows my mind because he was like five people I grew up with, mm-hmm. Richard. And I didn't realize that it was the same voice. I didn't realize yeah. that Richard Horvitz was Alpha Five and Billy and from Billy and Mandy and Invader Zim. And it's like Angry Beavers. And Angry Beavers. <laughs> and I hear his voice because he, he vocal, yeah, he's the vo- vocal director, which basically, for those of you who don't know, he's essentially what you would imagine as the director of the of the actor, like a traditional director where they say, say it like this, try it like this, do mm-hmm. the you know, He's the guy who's having us do the takes and, and giving us the feedback. And it feels like taking acting class because he's so refined and he's so, he knows his craft so well. And you're hearing notes that someone who's been in the business for so, for, for, for so many years through so many big projects that mm-hmm. we all grew up with, um, it's just like a unique form of, of getting feedback for your acting that you really couldn't get anywhere else. And uh, yeah. it's so cool. And and it feels like I'm part of a really cool club that uh, and I also want to say every character is designed around the actor that plays them. Like every character is tailored. They're, they're usually written and designed before they before Vivian reaches out to the actor. And so it is kind of cool that you know, seeing Blitz really teaches me what other people might see in me. You know, I see him on mm-hmm. screen and I'm like, oh, that's that's my typecast. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I I mean, knowing you as a person, I feel like I can, I think 
lots of your characters. I wouldn't say all because, you know, some of them are really awful, horrible people. <laughs> but even those characters, I can see these little glimpses of Brandon in each yes. character. And um, I can see like, oh, this must be like a manifestation of Brandon's narcissistic side. Or this must right. be like a manifestation of like Brandon's anxieties. Um, yeah, they're all they're all authentic. I mean, a lot of them. Almost, I I want to say just about all the characters come from somewhere within me naturally that mm. I relate to, and you know, everyone has bad qualities. I don't think I have shittier qualities than most people, but I have like elements that resonate through my villain characters that I think is a you know, and like going back to my therapist who's like, you know, just translate it into a video. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so I'll write. I'll you know, I'm feeling kind of negative this week. I'll play Bryce, and yeah. she's 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 evil, or I'll play Bobby Worst. And I I'm get, trying to actually think. Um, who would you say is your sweetest character? Do you even have a character that doesn't uh, have some kind of... <laughs> uh, D Dino the Filipino, who I just retired. Yes. That was my grandmother voicing him. And she's still all right, but she just can't voice him anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and and so, yeah, I, 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 he was probably my sweetest character. Sam is a sweet one, but he uh, I think his worst quality is that he steals a lot. But he's a sweet guy. He just He's a klepto. You do have some sweet characters. I uh, Like, I was totally um, forgetting all about sweet Dino. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there is a sweet side to me, but I also find that it, it's fun to be bad. And it's fun. I think people sometimes live vicariously through the character. Like, you know, if it's if it's a, a, a three act structure about someone and their motives and they do bad things, it is kind of fun to have a protagonist do things that are you know, not good. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's fun to do them as a character. You know, even when I'm in public people, a lot of people will see that we're clearly making a video. And so having that camera around really lets me feel free to just be loud and wacky because no one, if I, if there wasn't a cameraman around, I would just look like I was insane. Yeah. Um, so having the crew, you know, and the more crew that we have on a shoot, the more I feel like I can, you know, be goofier, <laughs> um, but yeah, they're all expressive. I mean, I mean, just like Jinx is, you know, a way that we were talking about earlier. Oh, I'm saying it now too. We were talking earlier. We about were talking earlier. You know, guys. But you like, should have been here for our last conversation. <laughs> but like you were just saying, like Jinx is like this hyper realized version of yourself, and mm -hmm. uh, and a mix between your parents, uh, which I thought was brilliant. Um, yeah, I guess she does kind of have some of my dad in me. Uh, I mean, in her, um, because I always think of. I always think of my mom being she's the wild you know one. she was the first like inspiration for jinx mm. but i've always thought of jinx also as kind of a con artist and yeah. there's where my dad comes <laughs> <laughs> my dad's not a con artist per se but he um doesn't do everything by the book so let's, let's right. leave it at that you you, you define you sit and i'm paraphrasing but you define jinx as like like you said your, your dad's side of the family there's like a like a, a, a sophistication her, her dad's side of the family is like your typical rich white wasp family yeah, yeah. and then her, her mom's mom. side of the family is trailer park con artists yeah yeah <laughs> she's yeah, yeah. the hybrid between those two things i love that she might have been a debutante in another life but she was too uh, addicted to her own ambition oh, um, yes. to take that route so um she has she i i yeah i i think jinx has very very sassy but very motherly qualities to her she she reminds me of a very sassy trailer park mom <laughs> you know because and and it's those <laughs> 
I, I think what it is is that it's like um, she has a fierceness to her that you only find in single mothers. Mm. Um, <laughs> I was raised That's by a single mom. Same, and, yeah. And she might be, she, you know, um, she's, my mom's a character, <laughs> but uh, she's also like fiercely protective of us, you yeah. know? And I think that's just a trait mothers have and it can get channeled into different, into different areas too. I think <laughs> that's where a... we have Jig. She, it's like she has that fierce mother energy, but she right. channels it into her own ambition. <laughs> I, well, her, her, her career is her child, you know? That's, that's her second child. That's... She's got Kamikaze, that little Oh yes, Kamikaze, yeah. And then she's got her career. And she's got her career. And, and that honestly, you know, since the, I don't know if the career came after, but if it did, that's the baby. <laughs> that's the baby and it needs more It attention. needs more love. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh of my siblings. god! Can you imagine <laughs> if I if I found octuplets that were one of each sex in <laughs> in two thousand six? Oh my god! That that would have been. Uh, I don't know if that's ever existed in history. Um, no, I I uh, yeah, that high school. Yeah, that was a very very weird time. I had so many girlfriends in high school. Actually, I had five. five. You you feel the need to count them? Are you gonna list them? <laughs> I honestly, I no. Don't... I had I had three girlfriends in middle school. <laughs> and then, okay, all right. Oh, that's still a romantic time. It's good to have a, a partner in middle school because a lot of assholes. Then yeah. it's good to have someone you can. I I fully went to a makeout party with one of my girlfriends. We made out pretty much the entire time, and um, and then in eighth grade, I kissed my first boy, and I was like. Oh, never mind. I'm so gay. I I think I was even identifying as bi at that time because I could no longer like oh. um I could no longer suppress fully suppress. straight. I would say that's yeah. yeah. And so um, you know, two of my two of my three girlfriends knew that I was bi. Mm-hmm. And um one of them found it very sexy. <laughs> Good. <laughs> oh, they should have all found it very sexy. But <laughs> I well, I had a I I, I kissed I yeah I, when I kissed a boy in high school that was when I knew a hundred percent and he reached out to me recently which was weird mm-hmm. I haven't talked to this guy in like since I was like in high school with him mm-hmm. and then he was like do you remember camping and I was like oh, that's where it happened we were in a tent too. So it was a camping trip I was like a sophomore that wasn't the only tent that night really. that <laughs> um do you consider yourself spiritual um I don't know. I, you know, I consider myself uh, fairly just open to whatever the reality is, but I don't know if I'll ever know what the reality fully is. So I'm not against anything. If there is a God for every uh, parallel universe and we're all in a giant snow globe in someone's asshole, then that's what that is. And I have no problem <laughs> with it. And if there's nothing out there and we die and become nothing and, you know, then that's OK, too. Um, but I'm, I do consider myself... Uh, very much vibing with uh, or, or or trying to generate good vibes. I feel like there is such a thing as energies and like walking into a room and bring a, bringing a good or bad energy with you. And I know that's spirituality, but it's something you can't tangibly feel or see. And I think that in a sense, kind of karma exists. And, and I don't know, though, some people have gotten away with some pretty bad stuff uh, <laughs> and had pretty good lives. So I don't know. But uh, I don't know. What, 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 what about you? I practice witchcraft. I knew that. I just was asking for them. <laughs> but and I was saying earlier, it's very uh, the monsoon manor has very witch-like qualities around it. That's by design, yes. There um, are jars of living things and <laughs> and uh, all kinds of potions. Self-sustaining terrarium ecosystems. Yeah, um. the ecosystems. Yes, that's so cool. And I've I've seen so many plants. I don't think I've ever been in a house. With that's many all, plants. Kenny. Kenny's the oh. green witch. I'm the kitchen witch. <laughs> I express my magic through cooking. That's right. And, that and music. I told uh, you the first night I was here, she was making dinner, and I, I was like, "You look like a witch making a potion." <laughs> well, I'm a whirlwind in the kitchen. It's not a very. It's a very chaotic process. It was cool. It had Mary Poppins elements because you're like a dash of this and a little bit of this and, <laughs> and blending this and, do, 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 do. and it was just. I, and I was like, "Can I help?" And no, 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 no. Just keep me company. No, no, no. Stay do, 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 do. Oh yeah, my um my partner is always he he comments on the fact that like. Um, I'm un, I'm unwilling to accept help in the kitchen. Like I really just like someone to sit there and talk to me while I do everything. But I don't. Uh, everyone's always like, um, "How can I help?" And I'm like, "You can um, grab that dish and put it over there." And it's like, <laughs> which trust me, I don't fight. But I've never met anyone like that. Everyone's <laughs> like, 
You can chop that. <laughs> I I mean, sometimes the thing is that I micromanage and I never want to like, I never want to irritate someone by micromanaging them in the kitchen. Uh, sometimes I it will delegate chopping, especially for like Thanksgiving. There's multiple chopping um uh, stations ah. and um, uh, I, I put everyone to work at least prepping things and my brother has insisted to be on on helping me um, prep stuff and he works in a kitchen he's a chef oh okay so like Can't really argue with he him. lets me do the cooking but oh, okay. he'll oftentimes come in and tell me what I'm doing wrong oh. and, and um, prep some vegetables and stuff and but he still lets me steer this ship at the end of the day that's good mm-hmm. i i can't i can't i could be instructed how to cook but i'm not a good um chef on my own uh i think i told you the other night i can't stomach eating most of the stuff i make yeah <laughs> you give up halfway through i'll try to you told eat me it. you've just been eating um um just chicken and hot sauce yeah sometimes i'll have just cheese and hot sauce <laughs> that's in, in hell of a boss the fifth episode the blitz you see him eating uh cheese and and, and sriracha sauce because that's that was uh th- i was eating that one time with vivian and she thought that was weird and so it she is. made it well it's good <laughs> i it's not my fault it's good <laughs> do you eat it in a bowl with a spoon like that um not with or do you spoon. take a cube of cheese it. and dip it yeah yeah or i'll squirt right on the cube each time okay, okay. or on those the best is a uh, swiss cheese the one with the holes in it and, uh, and you I, fill the holes with it or i just like gotcha. squirt it on like a like a like a, i don't know what's that like a like a cummed butt cheek <laughs> <laughs> a cummed a cummed <laughs> a cummed on butt cheek a, a cheek of ass that would come on it uh, <laughs> my my final question yes. is, what is your <laughs> what is your go-to karaoke song? Oh, um, usually, I mean, it's everyone's, though. But I really do love this song a lot. Before I realized it was such a trendy karaoke song. Can you guess already? No, I didn't. Know. It's Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, it shouldn't be everyone's go-to song. <laughs> I love it so much. That song was like the first, because, you know, when I was a kid, uh, all the Disney ballads were pretty much sung by women. And I heard that song and mm-hmm. it, it struck me like a Disney ballad, but yeah. it was sung by a very... And it, and it has, it goes in so many, like it tells a full story. It like the emotion yeah. changes multiple times throughout the song. I only say it shouldn't be everyone's karaoke song because um, it's a, uh, it's very, um, <laughs> oh my God, I'm <laughs> saying this and I'm realizing what a hypocrite I am. I was going to say it's like a very like um, meaningful song to me. And then I just remember this time in some some city in uh-huh. England, drunk off my ass singing Bohemian Rhapsody, like <laughs> just garbling into the Oh microphone. no! Oh, you were, you were butchering Rhapsody? Oh. I was I was the drunk asshole butchering. Was, and you're just saying you don't like And I'm like, I don't do. like when people oh, do that. Oh, no. You were that person. It's And that's... Uh, you were her. That was one of the moments I was like, Mama, maybe you've drank enough for your oh, lifetime. <laughs> you know, I... Oh, God. I, that's the one song I never butcher. I've, I've tr- I have butchered songs. I have butchered She... I like Big Butts. And you know where that comes from? That comes from that side of me I was saying where I was trying to be straight. And I started forgetting the words to it one time at karaoke. And mm-hmm. on the, I was like, oh, shit, I'm forgetting the words. But on the positive side, oh, shit, I'm giving into my true self and forgetting this song. And so, <laughs> so, so, uh, and then I shift more to Bohemian Rhapsody because that, uh, he was the first Disney princess I had a crush on was Freddie Mercury. <laughs> he really was. I love that. Man. I, I did it. 
I didn't discover Freddie Mercury and Queen until middle school. And it was all of my Mormon friends turning me on to Queen. They were obsessed with Queen and the Rocky Horror soundtrack. They were very liberal Mormons. They, I was going to say, those were some <laughs> flexible Mormons. It was funny because they were Mormons, but like they were also my kind of, they were my weirdo um, misfit friends who were into Rocky Horror Show and stuff and not what you'd expect from Mormons. And they were thoroughly yeah. Mormons. Yeah, yeah. They were also thoroughly <laughs> Rocky They're Horror fans. Fun. And that's not a mashup you expect. It's not a mashup you expect. I had a lot of Mormon friends in high school and they were very fun to be around. And I, I think I'm a good judge of if someone's fun to be around or not. And they were, they were, and I remember they were pretty liberal with some stuff. There were some SNL sketches that we had to fast forward past and we were okay. doing sleepovers. But, uh, no, I think I think they get a bad rap. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, and at the end of the day, all religion is a cult. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that's why I'm fairly. Is it agnostic? Is that where you like kind of like, oh, whatever is whatever. Like you kind of not really you, it's um, not atheist. Atheist is the belief uh, in that there is nothing. nothing. Yeah. Um, but agnostic is kind of like I haven't seen any proof of anything yet. So I'm still I'm still. That's what I, that's how for... I am. I, I, but I see, that's why I say energies. Like, I feel like I've seen proof of energies. Like, I f can feel mm -hmm. an energy off someone when they walk in the room. And maybe that's placebo effect or, you know, whatever. But uh, I'm, I guess I am agnostic. Like, but I'm not in, like, in denial of anything. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't approach anything with total skepticism unless I know for a fact it's impossible. Which, I mean, even that would, you know. That's hard to tell. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I like to keep things with an open mind because it makes every experience so much more fun because it could be. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, um, with that life lesson and that wisdom you imparted, yes. uh, we shall draw to a close. Where can people find you on the social media? Oh, just it. Well, as we said, just any search hole, just go on the Internet, any search bar, Brandon Rogers, wherever. If you're an Instagram person, Spelt like Brandon Rogers. Spelt like Brandon Rogers, the Mr. Rogers way, a.k.a. the right way. I don't do none of that D in the last name bullshit. <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah, whatever. Because I never want to tell people where. Because like, if someone's a TikTok person, then they should look me up on TikTok. If someone's a YouTube person. I, I love, I mean, YouTube is the stuff I put the most effort into if you want some something like that. But, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Just, just find a search hole and fill find it with a Brandon hole. Rogers. Yeah, fill it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, thank you it's so much. It's been a pleasure being Thank you here. so much for, um, you came here as my house guest and then I put you to work. Um, this was fun. And you did my makeup yesterday. Yeah, that can, that's available on my Patreon. On Patreon. <laughs> and, uh, and it's been fun. And you cooked dinner when I got here. And you've been such a great hospice. This hospice. Hospice for me. I've been such a great... Um, a hospice um, mistress. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hospice mistress. Nurse Ratchet. Um, <laughs> thanks so much for listening to Hijinks here on the Forever Dog and Moguls of Media Network. My name is Jinx Monsoon, and we have new episodes every Wednesday, so make sure to search for Hi Jinx on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe. You can follow me at The Jinx on Instagram or at Jinx Monsoon everywhere else, and I'll see you next Wednesday for some more Hi Jinx. Forever. Listen to Hijinks ad-free and one day early. Sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcasts.com slash plus. 
Make sure to follow at Forever Dog Team and at Mom Podcasts on social and rate and review Hijinks five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hijinks is produced by Forever Dog and Moguls of Media, a.k.a. Mom, hosted by me, Jinx Monsoon, produced by Big Dipper, editing and sound design by Will Pitts, executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey.